Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. Get your dialing fingers ready because I want to give you the chance to get your questions answered about raising your kids because we get to spend the hour with Dr. Kathy Cook. Wow. She has such keen insight. Not only does she have a boatload of initials after her name, all of which have been earned, not only does she have a passion for kids, but there's just something about taking all of that intellectual acumen and then grounding it in a bibliocentric worldview. And that's somebody who gives wise, wise counsel, very proverbial, if I can borrow from the book of Proverbs, proverbial counsel that we so desperately need. Listen, it's never been easy being a parent. (laughs) You got appointed to that job, you weren't elected. And as my mommy used to say, so much of it is on the job training. You really learn as you go and know I have news for you. There's not one perfect parent out there. So get off your back. Okay. There is no such thing as a perfect parent, but we can do better. And sometimes it's just a matter of having a wise teacher like Dr. Cook, who teaches us how to be a better parent. Now I said, it wasn't easy being a parent. I'll also say from my place in the peanut gallery, I think it's harder to be a parent now than it's ever been before. Why? Well, because the culture counter parents, what we do, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, That world into which we send our kids is antithetical to everything we believe found in the principles and precepts of Scripture. So that alone makes it tough. Our kids are going to have to learn to swim against the flow, and that's not easy. By the way, when our kids were in junior high, 
We gave him that T-shirt, showed one single fish swimming against the flow of other fish. And we wanted them to feel comfortable in their differentness. And that's exactly what it is when you're a follower of Christ. We as grown-ups need to feel that way, don't we? So what Dr. Cook has taught us through all of the wonderful things she does through Celebrate Kids is really how to raise our kids well by understanding how they're put together, what their learning style is, and some of the things that they have to battle. And one of the things we're going to talk about is how we help our kids battle anxiety, which is a reality out there. If you know anything about the mental health system in this country, it is the silent pandemic. We thought it was COVID. It's not. It's mental health. We don't have enough practitioners for people in need. We don't have enough beds for people in need. And so often moms and dads who aren't PhDs in psychology or psychiatry can't see problems when they start out small before they become big. So we have to learn to teach them as best as we can how to be resilient. And that's a word that Dr. Cook uses on a regular basis. In fact, she's written an entire book called Raising Resilient Kids, Help Them Embrace Life with Confidence. As the saying from that sitcom on network television used to say, hey, it's tough out there. And it really is. So we're going to give you the chance to get your questions answered. But I want to set the stage a bit on this topic about anxiety in our kids, if I can. Let me give the formal introduction to you. First of all, I just love Dr. Cook. Okay, that's the most important part of this intro, because she's such a fabulous teacher. But she's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. That's based in Fort Worth. And she's the co-founder of Ignite the Family. That's based in Alfreda, Georgia. She's influenced thousands of parents and teachers and kids in 30 countries. That's around the globe, friends. Keynote messages, seminars, chapels, other events. And I have to tell you, she is a prolific author as well, written all kinds of books. And I have a link to her website so that you can learn more. You can listen to her podcast, which is fabulous. And you can check out all the resources that she has written for our benefit, by the way. So in a minute, I'll give you the phone number, but I want to start this conversation. First of all, Kathy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a thousand things you could do with your day. And you're about to give me something I can't give back, which is an hour of your time. So I treasure it. And I'm so very thankful that you were willing to give us this hour of your time to talk about this subject about anxiety in kids. So from where you sit, how bad is this issue? And when we talk about anxiety, we don't mean I'm afraid of my spelling test on Friday. What do we mean about anxiety, particularly as it manifests, manifests itself in kids? Well, first of all, Jana, thank you. Thank you for your very kind words, for inviting me on. I don't take that lightly, so it's a joy to be back with you. I love that you care about the family unit, that you care about this topic. It is serious. I think it's serious with adults as well. Parents mm -hmm. are often anxious. So, yeah, to be worried about something in the future um, is usually fear is often defined as worried about something in the present. Anxiety is often assigned to thinking about something that has not yet happened that we're worried about down the road. And um, there's a difference, isn't there, between being anxious and having anxiety. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a problem for a lot of reasons, and I'm glad that we can talk about it today. I am glad, too, and I'm glad that you picked up on it and made it the topic of one of your podcasts. And in full disclosure, that's where I gleaned this conversation topic from, mm -hmm. because I thought, ooh, this is huge. Because moms and dads, I think they understand about the difference about being anxious and having anxiety. And so this ties into your bigger picture. And maybe this is something I need to ask, too, as we set the stage for this conversation. You brilliantly talk about the term being resilient when it comes to our kids. What do you mean by that? What's the working definition of having a resilient child? Right. Recovering readily from disappointment, uh, failure, defeat, 
um, not staying down in the valley. So these kids, um, they come back. I don't think about bouncing back like Tigger. That's a little bit optimistic. I think what <laughs> I want for children and teens is that they would come back from the difficulty, the embarrassment, the shame, and they would try again. So resilient people try again. They believe they can grow up, and they will grow up if they, in fact, are resilient and don't stay down in the valley. And you believe, do you not, that we can actually train our kids to be resilient? Because I bet there's a whole lot of people listening who think you're either born with that attribute or you don't have it. But you disagree that we can build that into our kids. Absolutely. I think we must. I think it's a learned quality. In fact, it starts as a choice to either stay down or stand up, to whine and throw a pity party or to ask for help and try again and risk maybe also not making the team. So it starts as a choice. And the more often that that choice um, goes well for them, and they're affirmed by parents and teachers and, and others who they respect, then it will become a muscle that they're able to use, even when we're not watching, which is what we want. Wow. So I put the two words together, resiliency and muscle. That's something we're going to talk about mm -hmm. this hour. Dr. Kathy Cook is our guest. Let me go to break if I can, but I want to give you the phone number. We're going to take questions only this hour about you helping your child with the subject of anxiety, part of the bigger contextual conversation of what it means to raise a resilient child. So you're going to need this, 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. We have such a wonderful guest that we get to spend the hour with. Kathy Cook is with us, founder and president of Celebrate Kids, based in Fort Worth and co-founder of Ignite the Family, based in Alfreda, Georgia. And again, she's written many books, but for this one, I've chosen her book, Raising Resilient Kids, Help Them Embrace Life with Confidence. I wrote down, Recovering Readily. You know, you if you raise a resilient child, guess what? You've got a resilient adult, and who can't use resiliency as a grown-up? Back after this. The truths of the Christian faith are powerfully clear and wonderfully deep, but sometimes we don't fully understand what we believe. That's why I've chosen I Believe, a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith as this month's truth tool. Know the foundations of faith and reinvigorate your walk with Jesus. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. 877-548-3675. That's our number here on In the Market with Janet Partial. 877-548-3675. It's your chance to ask Dr. Kathy Cook, founder and president of Celebrate Kids, any question you have about how you can help your child be resilient, in particular, how to deal with anxiety when we see it manifest in our kids. 877-548-3675. Kathy, you talk about the fact that parents have to be present. And I'm, I know you're unbelievably tuned into this, and I'm going to underscore what you already have said and written about, which is we're not about meeting out guilt toward parents, but you can't be in absentia in a child's life. You have said that parents have to be present and engaged in their lives first. So how do we lovingly encourage moms and dads to do that when they're saying, listen, I'm trying to put bread on the table or I'm a single mom or we work hard and we can't figure out how we're going to find the time to do this because we've got more than one child. So we've got soccer, we've got gymnastics, we've got choir, we've got all these things. We can't begin to find balance in our life. And how can I be present? Am I not present just by providing for them? So how do you respond? Oh, it's such a good way of wording that. You know, the first thing I think of is turn off the radio in the car. Although, don't mm -hmm. turn off this show, right? So <laughs> we can listen to good, you know, we can listen to good talk radio. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to listening together to a really good book. 
that's on Audible or something like that. But that's captured time mm-hmm. where we can talk with our children about our values and our beliefs and how our day went and how their day went. They tell me all the time that they wish that their parents would listen longer to the answers that they have for them. So um, that's one thought. You know, another is maybe we don't need to be involved in everything as a family. Um, I think most importantly, and people are not going to like this, but you've heard me say it before, Janet, we have to put down our phones. We, the, we have to be present without the ting and the ding and the ring. Kids tell me all the time, I'm not going to start a hard conversation if my mom has her phone. Because as soon as somebody else wants her, half of her attention is going to go there or all of her attention is going to go there. So I think we show our kids that we have our phone on airplane mode or we've left our phone in another room and we care this much about them. Tell me your story. Because you know what, Janet, if we don't listen to them when they're young, they're not going to talk to us when they're older. And yet, I would say to everyone listening, it's never too late to do a U-turn. So maybe we apologize and we say to our kids, man, I just, I realized again today that I've not been as available as I could. And then, you know what? We don't give excuses. You know, work is overwhelming. The grocery stores took longer. We don't let kids give excuses. So we simply say, I am so sorry because I'm afraid that you might feel unimportant. And that's not what I want you to believe. You matter mm. greatly to me, and I have to learn to get better at this. That will go far away with our kids. Kathy, do you think that, and I know it was trendy for a while, and I kind of struggled with it when I heard it because being the mother of four children, I thought it doesn't make sense. But we went through this delusion, my word, my editorial comment, that somehow quality time mattered more than quantity time. My kids mm. never made an appointment with me ahead of time and said, listen, next Tuesday, let's set up some quality time. That happens <laughs> in the moment. I couldn't schedule it. So how do we pull back that mythology? It made us comfortable because we thought, well, that was a quality conversation, but I can ignore you six and a half days of the rest of the week because I gave you quality time that afternoon. Uh, that doesn't work, does it, from your perspective? No, I I agree with you. And I think we ask our kids if they're age appropriate, you know, what kind of time would you like to spend with me? What is quality? You know what is quality? Bedtime. Kids will open up in the dark. They We all open up more in the dark. So to not rush bedtime, to stop by, even your teenagers, you don't need to stop by and tuck them in anymore, but stop by, hang out in the hallway. You know, and when they say, what are you doing? Man, I'm just praying for you. Just love you. Just hanging out. Because you know what? They're not going to tell us the intimate things that are going on in their world at the dinner table with their siblings there. But they may one-on-one um, at night. Also, go one-on-one, run errands. You know, Kids have told me they miss going to the grocery stores with their moms. And I understand. I think a little bit about the, how busy we are and the beauty of, of grocery delivery. That, like, that must be life-changing for a lot of people who are listening. Mm-hmm. And yet kids have said, you know, Dr. Kathy, that was one-on-one time. That was really quality time. I got to sometimes choose the cookies. You know, and they felt important in those moments. So could we do one-on-one errands with one kid at a time? Is there something we're doing that we don't have to do now? I know of many moms and dads who sacrifice. They're invited to be on a committee at church, like a good committee that they're qualified for. And they say, no, in 10 years, I'll say yes. But right now, I'm a husband or I'm a wife and I'm a mom or I'm a dad. And this needs needs to be the priority. Yeah. Let me linger, because I think this is profound in so many ways. And again, it's antithetical to the culture. When I was raising my kids, I was hearing, you know, motherhood is an illegitimate profession. And you were, quote, self-actualizing as long as you worked outside of the home. Now, again, my heart breaks for single parents who have to do the job that God designed for two people, because it's just disproportionately onerous for these moms and dads. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying if you have a mother and a father in the household, um, this idea of uh, saying that you're going to be present is so unbelievably important because you have to sacrifice. And I think that's the operative word. Parent, you don't get a raise. You don't 
get a recommendation. I never had one of my kids say, great week of potty trading this week, mom. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. And so that to be present for your kids means exactly as you beautifully just identified, Dr. Kathy, which is I have to say no to something that is good by saying yes to something that's better. And that's that's hard. It, it is hard, and, and yet it feels right. And yet we don't do it for the children to say thank you. We do it to glorify God because the family unit matters so much to him. And we sacrifice. And when our kids see that we're sacrificing, they, they will value that. Again, they're not going to say thank you in this day maybe. They might in 20 years, but again, we don't do it for that. But doesn't like if someone sacrifices for me, I feel so loved. Mm. I feel seen. I feel wanted. I feel significant, not in an egotistical, I'm better than you are way, but in a, you know, God created me way where I'm, I matter to that person. And it, and it means the world to me. So let's do that. Wouldn't it be, in fact, to, to that point, and I don't mean to be meeting out guilt. This is just stuff that you learn and then you pass it on and let mm-hmm. the chips fall where they may, if I can put it that way. And hopefully it falls on fertile ground. But I was very disturbed to learn that most of the social behavior that gets a child, a preteen or a teen in trouble, is done between three and six in the afternoon when they get home before mom and dad do. So if they're going to try to to smoke or they're going to look up porn on the Internet or if they're going to go into an alcohol cabinet, that's when it's going to take place. So if that's true, and I believe that it is, that means our presence in and of itself is a deterrent to bad choices, is it not? Absolutely true. It always has been and it always will be. Yeah, well, let me take a break. I've got a bunch of people who want to talk with you. 877-548-3675. Dr. Kathy Cook is with us. She celebrates kids. That's the name of her organization, by the way, in Texas. And she's written wonderfully on what it means to teach a child. We're talking particularly about resiliency in our children and how we can raise them to be resilient adults, focusing in again on when anxiety shows up and it's showing up more and more and more in the lives of our kids. So if you've got a question, this is the right place to call right now. 877-548-3675. Your questions after this. We're spending the hour with Dr. Kathy Cook, who's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids based in Texas. A wonderful author, a fabulous speaker, by the way, has a podcast that's excellent. All of that can be found by going to her website, CelebrateKids.com, CelebrateKids.com. We're taking your questions on raising resilient kids and also particularly this issue of anxiety. And it really goes to a a podcast that Dr. Kathy did called Can Can Adults, Plural, Battle Anxiety for Kids? 877-548-3675. Bridget, I welcome you from Ohio. Your question, please, for Dr. Kathy. Um, hi. Yeah, I have a five-year-old who is um, just turned five in October and is getting ready for kindergarten. He has not had any preschool or any previous um, schooling and is really struggling in this area. I have uh, such a hard time. He shuts down completely, starts blinking his eyes, and just, like, you could see his whole ears. Just, he, it looks like he's just really overwhelmed, and I don't know how to overcome this. Richard, thanks for calling. You're not alone in that. Uh, first of all, I'm actually much of me is glad that he has stayed at home with you. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need a formal educational opportunity. What he does need, though, like you're seeing, is opportunity to try again. Read to him, read to him, read to him. Make it fun. Um, do letters in the sand. Put alphabetize, put uh, magnet, magnetized letters on the refrigerator and make it a game to find certain letters. Make it purposeful. Go to the grocery store 
and have them look for the letter C and let them find it on Cupcake and buy them a cupcake. Make it personal. Make it um, intentional. Make it meaningful. Make him want to want it, if you will. Um, and, yeah, same thing with numbers. When you set the table, count out loud. Just make it more a part of your day in a real general sense. And it, it, hopefully he'll develop some interest and some maturity to be able to sit down and do some things. But, again, read to him, read to him, read him. The best success, the best predictor of school success is how many words he knows when he hears them. So all of the time you spend reading to him matters so much more than sitting down with a paper and a pencil. That will come. The purpose of kindergarten is learn. Uh, we, have a, we have a lie in our culture that you should already know how to read and write when you get to kindergarten. That is not yeah. true. The purpose of kindergarten is to learn the first school experiences. And I pray that you live where that is the correct philosophy of the school that you're choosing to send your son to. And if not, I would look into that. Mom. Bridget, thank you so much. Glad you called in today. I appreciate it. 877-548-3675. If you have questions about raising resilient children, that's what we're talking about today, raising our kids so they can grow up to be resilient adults. Let me go back to some of the things you talked about in your podcast about adults battling anxiety for kids, whether or not that can be done. But you really laid the groundwork for what we must be doing. One of them is that idea of being actively involved in our kids' daily lives. The other thing you say, and it, it, and this is just an observation through experience, it comes easy off the end of a pen. It's more challenging to try to live it through in real life, and that is trying to create a stable and nurturing environment at home. Well, this opens a Pandora's box. What if you yourself weren't raised in a nurturing and, and stable home? What if you weren't, uh, if you're married to a spouse who counterparents rather than co-parents, and therefore you don't create a stable and nurturing environment? So before we get to the benefits, I'm pleading the case for those who would say, that's the gold standard, that's what I want, we don't have it. What do they do? Yes, boy, I love how sensitive you are. We rely on God in us. If you're a believer, we're a new creation, and we're dead to sin, and we can really put the past behind us where it belongs. Do I understand that it may take more for you to develop a new healthy rhythm? Absolutely. This is why we pray. We surround ourselves with good role models. I pray that every single parent listening has people in the same and opposite gender who walk with them in this journey, perhaps parents and aunts and uncles as well. I hope that people who are married and are maybe parenting alone, but you're married, that must be so lonely, that you develop a network, that you make sure that you're in the right small group at church, et cetera, and that you don't have any shame for asking a question. Bottom line, though, we all have to realize that we can all put our sin behind us. We're dead to it if we're believers. And if you're listening yet and you haven't made, you're listening and you haven't yet made that commitment, you know, a, a significant reason to say yes to Jesus is that we get a new life today, which mm-hmm. empowers us to live the joyful, peaceful life that he would want us to have. Oh, I love that. And again, that, as I said in the intro, Dr. Kathy, that's what I love so much. You have all the brilliance that you've earned through your academic journey, but you really are grounded in understanding holistically who we are in Jesus. Let me talk about teenagers and this idea of this nurturing household. You know, we all the data is there. This is not subjective. This is objective data. And I'm living in the modern day Athens where all we do is produce data ad infinitum. (laughs) And so we're talking now about the mental health crisis. That's the parallel pandemic to COVID. That all of a sudden what that showed us is the fragile nature of our culture, particularly the preteen and the preen and the teen. So if we've got this kind of an environment, this one that we're trying to obtain to, which is the idea of having stability and a nurturing home, What does that do? What kind of an impact does that have on teens? Because what that requires impliedly, and you talked about this in the podcast, is that there are boundaries that are going to be set. Mm -hmm. 
The first thing I think of is security. We all benefit from security, which ought to be placed in people and not things that fade away. So are we there for them? Do we tell the truth? Do we build them up? Do we affirm them? Do we correct and not criticize? Do we apologize? Do we have appropriate boundaries for ourselves with eating, drinking, and, and sleeping so that we're healthy, so that our kids see that we're a good role, role model of that? It's extremely important that we live out in front of them who we say they can be because hypocrisy will not work. A lack of integrity will not work. It'll, it'll, no, it's just, it's just not right. So security is huge, again, in the people. So let's be the best that we can be. Let's apologize. That's huge. You know, Janet, I think you agree with me that when we admit that we're imperfect, we actually gain ground with our kids. Yes. yes. Because if we try to pretend that we're perfect human beings, they won't come to us with their imperfections. Because yeah. they won't think we can, we can, you know, understand them. Exactly right. And, and by the way, if I can translate that, I think we see the same problem sometimes in the church where you look at who's ever being platformed up there. They must be perfect. And then there's a discouragement that sets in because you think I can't be there. So rather than fostering growth, it does exactly the opposite. What's the key? You nailed it. It's transparency. Hey, I struggle in this area. You're not the only one. I apologize. I made a mistake. Let me come back to the phones when we return. 877-548-3675. Back after this. Our team of partial partners is growing, and I love communicating behind the scenes with this special group of friends who are devoted to giving a monthly gift to In the Market. Our partial partners receive private emails direct from me on issues we don't address on radio, and I even send a weekly audio message straight from my heart to yours. Ready to become a partial partner? Call 877-JANET-58, 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're visiting with Dr. Kathy Cook, who's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. That's located in Fort Worth, Texas. She has influenced thousands of parents and teachers and children in 30 countries through her messages, her seminars, chapels that she's been at, and other events. She's a wonderful author, by the way, got a great podcast, and I've got a link to CelebrateKids.com, CelebrateKids.com, so you can be exposed to all of the resources that Dr. Kathy has. I have on my information page one that's germane to our conversation today, which is entitled Raising Resilient Kids help them embrace life with confidence. We're taking your questions today at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Christy, I welcome you from Florida. Your question, please, now for Dr. Kathy. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kathy. I am homeschooling multiple children from ages kindergarten all the way up through 11th grade. It is very, very hard, and I find that sometimes... I want to throw in the towel because my relationship with my teenagers mostly is really, really stressful because I am trying to give them algebra, give them chemistry. They don't want to write. And what happens is, is there's a lot of tension, a lot of fighting. Sometimes my teenager will explode and out of his mouth comes horrible curse words, which I'm fine with because he's a teenager, but it bothers me. Why is his heart doing that? There's a lot in this. Homeschooling is hard. Sometimes I want to throw in the towel. My relationship is strained with my children, and they don't really want to do what I ask them to do. And then for me to expect character outside of the education, everything is so strained by me teaching them, but I feel like I have to. What are my choices? And how do I take my kids and teach them not to be so explosive and defensive? They are very defensive. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe I should take your call off the air. I mean, maybe no, I should. No, let me. <laughs> let me let me stop. No, talking. I'd love to. No, no, I'd love to answer that. You're you're calling and representing many people. So first mm-hmm. of all. I'm a fan of homeschooling. You can do this. If you are married, your husband needs to step in as the superintendent or principal of the school or whatever name you've given him, and he needs to say to his children, you are disrespecting your mom, and I'm done with it. So this is a sin issue. We call sin, sin. It is a character issue. I actually think that the most important thing we teach children is character and decision-making and wisdom and love, and things like chemistry, physics, and algebra can come a second to that. I'm not saying you don't teach it, but I'm saying that you prioritize, especially in seasons when the kids are showing you it's necessary, their hearts and who it is. So get your husband involved if you're fortunate enough to have one. Um, Have them serve. Teenagers need to begin seeing that their wisdom shows up as they serve others. So take a day, take a half a day a week, go to the nursing home, go to the food pantry, go to the homeless shelter, go and help in the church nursery by disinfecting toys. Do something out of the house as a family where service is king because they need to begin understanding that they were created for more than this. Learning is a pathway to the rest of of life. It is not the purpose of life. So get them out and get them serving. I think that might be helpful. Um, Yeah, they they can do this better. Um, You also, you know, co-op is a good thing. Not homeschooling alone is a good thing. If there are people in your home, in your church who also homeschool, see if you can meet together every Wednesday morning at the park, or maybe there's another teacher, another mo- mom or dad who's homeschooling who loves math and even teaches it maybe even more effectively because that, that is a thing, and maybe you swap out and you teach literature and some other mom teaches uh, chemistry or algebra. There's a lot of ways to do it where it won't, get, won't become a burden. I feel your heart, uh, and I, I pray you don't go worried. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. What wonderful advice. Christy, I hope you're encouraged by that response. And I thank you for being with us. Scott, I turn to you next in Iowa. Thank you for joining into this conversation. We'll take your question now, please. Uh, my question has to do with appropriate conversation at the dinner table. Does Should it just stick with just what the family is experiencing, the children experiencing the day-to-day routine of the family? Or should the parents talk about their day, what happened at their job, whether it be good or bad, you know, I don't know, Janet, with you and your children, did you and Craig talk about Supreme Court justice rulings, <laughs> that type of thing? Mm. <laughs> you know, I guess you that's brought... my question. What is a, what's yeah. appropriate? Yeah. Dr. Kathy, you lead. Okay. I, I'd love you to answer the question as well. Um, <laughs> your question is really good, Scott, and I think it's got to be everybody in the family. You're a family unit. So you absolutely, the kids can learn how to say, hey, Dad, how was your day? And one of the reasons for that is that you get to now model the consequences of the decisions you made. So true story, somebody who read my new book about character came home and the kids are like, how was, how was work? And then dad admitted that he had fallen short and that he did not turn a report in on time. And his boss had to come knock on the door. And, and this dad said, I, I was embarrassed. I'm now going to have to work to gain back his trust. And Billy, I can't go to your soccer game because I have to stay home and finish. And I'm so sorry because I made a mistake. So it's very important. A really easy way to do that would be what's the highlight of your day and what's mm-hmm. the low light of your day. And everybody mm-hmm. goes around the table and talks about it. And I think one of, the, one of the things you have to talk about, Scott, are the values that you hold, because that's what makes your family unique. Your family was ordained by God, and so what are your values? Why do you and your wife, if you have one, you know, think conservatively? Why do you spend the money the way that you do it? Why do you pray for this and not that? What are your kids watching? Share with them the why behind what you're doing, because it's critical that they join with you in the path that you're on. That's my answer. Janet, I'd love to hear yours. 
Scott, you threw me back in time because I remember Craig and I having this exact conversation. And I'm so glad, Dr. Kathy, you said what you said. We did that, Scott. That was part of our technique as a family where everybody had to go around to the table. This is literally what we did in the evenings. What was your high point? What was your low point? And we found it did two things. Number one, they learned how to contribute, but they also learned how to listen because they had to take their turn and they could listen to what everybody else in the family was saying. And then what Craig did, because he's, as you know, one of those wonderful people that God has gifted with wisdom is that he could say, wow, that's interesting. You know, that sounds like something that I had to try in a case once. And then he could fold it in, not by dominating the conversation, but by taking an experience in their classroom and dropping it in the context of the real world as a character conversation, not mm. as a legal discourse, but as a character conversation. So, and then what Craig and I had, Scott, and I got to tell you this is we had an awful lot of pillow talk. Okay. Because there were things where I wanted to hear about his day. He wanted to know about my day, but we didn't want it to be so focused on mom and dad that we made our kids feel like they were just observers in this marriage dialogue. Mm. So we had pillow talk. And it's also, and you've got me on my soapbox here, but it, when you have four kids under six, you have to make these decisions and figure this out as you go. That's why dating your mate is so tremendously important because you can have those conversations without hearing four of their little voices tell you what they did at school that day. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, but we can still prioritize that initial relationship, which is between the husband and the wife. So that's just the voice of experience talking, Scott. But Absolutely. I thank you so much. Yeah. Mm. So thank you. I appreciate it. Let me ask something else. And you, you're you very forthright about this. In fact, I'm not going to ask. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let Brett join the conversation from Florida. Brett, thank you so much for being with us. Stephen, I'm having a problem bringing Brett up. If you can bring him up for me, I'd appreciate it. Brett, I welcome you and your question, please. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Okay. Hi, hi Janet. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 23-year-old son. Uh, he's a great kid. Um worked a job for, he lives with us, of course, and he worked a job for three years. And then a little bit over a year ago, um, these uh, physical things were happening to him, um, basically because he's not active. Uh, So fear and anxiety settled in, and um, we actually got him to talk to a, a psychologist twice, and she recommended, you know, thinking the right way, um, not being a believer, um, but so, I mean, we speak to him, you know, be anxious for nothing, but at everything, supplication and thanksgiving, bring your request to God. Um, but we can't get him to do anything to come out of this. And, and he just keeps isolating himself more and more. Mm. And it's really hard for my wife and I. I mean, we, we sit down at the table together and we share the word of God and we pray together, but I can't even get him to come to the table. I just don't know what mm-hmm. to do. Mm. Brett, I'm so sorry. I appreciate your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for loving him as, we, as you have. And I would say to you what I've said to so many, please don't give up. Um, it's, it's a very hard situation. Joy and gratitude are foundational qualities to living a purposeful life. He's lost sight of purpose. He was created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. And I'm sad, and I understand, and you're not alone in in young adults who come home and lose sight of who they are because they were badly treated, perhaps, at a workplace, or it got boring, or it was too hard, or it wasn't joyful. And we're not not supposed to live for joy. We're supposed to have joy. So um, to teach him who he is, 
to to slip in little notes under his door and just pray that he reads them. Um, the scripture that says we're created in the image of God and that we're new creations and that we're chosen and adopted and we live on purpose. Um, read the book of Daniel with him. Daniel, a young man full of courage who changed everything. Um, see if there'd be someone that he could relate to. Maybe maybe read Jonah together. And I don't know, sit outside his door and read out loud and see if, see if he'll engage with you. That might sound crazy, but what you want to do is walk toward him and and then I would also say go have fun. Go go to Top Golf. Go golfing. Go bowling. Um, go to an art museum. Get out of the house and do something that he would be interested in doing with you, and let him take the lead on that. Um, that fun, uh, you know, fun engages us, right? Fun gives us hope. I wonder if there'd be something there that you could do. And please don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, what an encouragement. I hope you've been encouraged by what you just heard from Dr. Kathy. Let me take one last break if I can. We'll take your calls at 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. And let me draw your attention again to one of the many resources that Dr. Kathy Cook has produced. This one is called Raising Resilient Kids. Help them embrace life with confidence. I've got it on my information page. Just go there, click on through, and you'll discover how to get your copy. Also, I really want to encourage you to visit the website for Celebrate Kids. Dr. Kathy has just a ton of resources there waiting to encourage and to equip you. Back after this. We're visiting with Dr. Kathy Cook, who's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids, and we're taking your questions on raising resilient kids at 877-548-3675. Marsha, I welcome you from Tennessee. Thank you for being here. And your question, please. Um, I have a 12-year-old granddaughter that um, she um, won't see her father. He has not been in her life since she was about four years old. Now he wants to see her, and she says no. Uh, we can't get her to open up the 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 matter of her seeing him is not the question. It is she won't open up and give any explanation of how she feels. Wow. Uh, thanks for calling. That absolutely is relevant to resiliency. I am proud of her for standing up for herself because, again, not knowing anything more than you've said, if she has not had a relationship with him for this many years, I, th- I personally think he earns the right to see her by behaving in a new and fresh way and trying to prove it without a face-to-face visit, meaning that there are notes perhaps that he sends that someone else reads first and then see if she'd be willing to read that. But she, I think she has a right to say, no, I don't feel safe. Um, you're right as a grandmother that you would love her to open up. Um, sometimes kids will be honest in writing because they don't want to see your face when they scare you or hurt you. So if you haven't tried starting a journal where you write her a note and she writes you back, that could work. You can also do a verbal multiple choice. Um, what are some of the reasons that you don't want to see your dad? Are you afraid? Um, are you sad and you don't want him to know? Are you afraid that you don't know what to talk about? Like you could put some options out there, and if you're doing it face-to-face, watch her eyes because children, will, even adults, will almost always give away the right answer with what I call an eyebrow lift. And then you could maybe try to get her to elaborate a little bit there. You could also say, you know, I'm guessing that you might be afraid. 
let's talk about how we deal with fear. So possibly you have that conversation. Maybe you should be willing to go with someone else, again, in a public place. Maybe you could ask her if there's some boundaries that could be set. But again, bottom line, I'm really proud of her for feeling safe with you that she can say, no, I don't want to. That's really important that she not feel forced. Mm. Thank you, Marcia, for being a part of the conversation. Lynn, I welcome you from Ohio. Your question, please. Yes. What specific tips would you give us as parents on how to listen, to really listen to our team? Well, excellent question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is that you don't have to make eye contact. A lot of us were raised to think that eye contact is a sign of respect. A lot of children tell me that they don't want to see your face when they make you mad. So I like going for a drive because it's captured talk time. I used to think that a drive is good because they can't leave. And kids, teenagers tell me they like going for a drive because you can't leave. You know, if the conversation gets difficult. So go for a drive. You can't make eye contact. Go walking the aisles of their favorite store. If you have a kid who's in like automobiles, go to the auto mechanic store and just walk the aisles. And kids, boys especially, talk more when they're busy. It's called um, shoulder-to-shoulder conversations. Girls could talk more at the kind of kitchen table interrogation. Boys, get them busy. Weed the garden together. Sweep out the garage together. Build a jigsaw puzzle or a Lego tower. And boys will often open up, boys of all ages. Um, serving together, no joke, I've mentioned that two or three times. When you serve together, they're often able to own, own their stuff and bring things up. You can also do a multiple choice pile where you, no joke, you make a multiple choice pile, you make a go fish pile of uh, index cards and you have, you know, you have uh, latest girlfriend on one card, you have science class, you have art on a card, you have, you know, what are you feeling lately on a card and everybody in the family picks a card, any card. And, you know, you got the math card and now as the mom uh, or a dad gets to model how they use math that day. And the boy who never talks about music gets the music card and is kind of forced to talk about music. So sometimes the freedom to talk about what they want will help them talk, which, of course, helps you listen. Man, um, the written word can sometimes help. Um, Bedtime, like I mentioned earlier in the show, they like talking in the dark because there's vulnerability there. Um, Put your phone down. Put it in another room. Um, maybe even take notes. When I'm with friends and they say pray about this or they say I'm really struggling with this, I will grab an index card and a pen that I always have with me or the notes feature on my phone, and I'll say, hey, I don't want to distract you, but I want to write that down because I want to remember to come back and ask you about that in two or three days. That, mm-hmm. honor, that honors your teenager because that says that you really care beyond the conversation. You care about who they are. Oh, wonderful advice. Lynn, thank you so much for being a part of this. I appreciate it. Kathy, you have something, and I don't want to share if I can just take a little deviation here, but I think it's germane to our conversation. In Celebrate Kids, you've got something called our Families Manifesto. I'd love to hear the Mm -hmm. derivation of this, why it was crafted in the first place, give our listeners a sense of what's in it, and what is the purpose for the manifesto? Right. I really appreciate you asking that. It's a section in the book about resilient kids, but I want it posted on the wall. I I want the children, teens, and adults to look at it, you know, we will not rescue each other too soon, but we will, we, will, we will if necessary. We will not give up on ourselves or on one another. So if you have that on your refrigerator or a bulletin board or you write it out in your handwriting on a whiteboard, the kids are going to know they're loved. You know, we'll help you, but not too soon because it's good for your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit 
to put forth the work to be an enduring, persevering kid. It reminds us, because you know what, Janet, we fall back into habits, right? Mm -hmm. We don't Mm -hmm. want our kids to struggle in front of us. It's really hard. But the manifesto says it's good for you if we let you struggle in the right direction at the right, you know, in the right way. So designed to give us hope that that we will remember the principles and we will work to change because it is hard and if parents have been rescuing their kids because they're fearful then the kids are going to continue to be fearful and it won't be good for them so yeah designed to be practical and to be uplifting and to remind everybody that we can change we don't have to maintain the the thing we've been maintaining if it hasn't been good for us I love it because, again, your idea that not just being in the book Resilient Kids, but also putting it up on the wall is so important. One of the things is we will work to prevent trauma and help one another recover from what pain they do experience. That's a way of reminding them it's tough out there. We've got your back. We're a family. We're here for one another, which I think is fabulous. I love that you say we will teach each other about God's purposes for the challenges, i.e. there are going to be things out there that are tough. Those fiery trials we read about in James, he allows us to experience And then also, we will teach that God believes in us and he won't give up on us. He may not always give us what we want or need when we think it's best. Boy, if adults could get a hold of that one. This doesn't mean he doesn't love us. He might say no, because he does love us. Not only does that teach them about God, but it reminds them why mom and dad sometimes say no as well. Kathy, thank you so much. The the book is rich, as every one of your books are, but I thank you so much for giving surprising answers. Um, The idea about not looking somebody in the eye, I think is interesting. Uh, Applauding the fact that our friend from Tennessee's granddaughter is saying, no, you have to earn my love. I'm not gonna just show up because you didn't show up for years. So thank you for challenging us to parent differently, the title of one of your other books. You're terrific. See you next time, friends.